All right. What's up, everybody? How you doing? Hey, excited that you're here on a Sunday night. You could be at home resting after a long collide night weekend. How many of you were at collide night? Several of you. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's our high school, uh, almost at our high school conference. Collide conference is our high school conference, but we do a collide night once or twice a year where all of our campuses across the state send their high school students here. We worship. So Maverick City came in. A couple of their people came in and led worship this weekend. It was great. Uh, but man, I love these moments right here where we get to dig into the word worship together as a college community. Uh, maybe you find yourself in college. Maybe you're just college age. I'm excited that you're here. Uh, we want this place to be a place where you can grow, find community, find some of your best friends. Um, tonight is going to look a little bit different. Uh, next week, I want to plug this real quick. We've been in our uh, series called Business Time, talking about how healthy relationships, godly relationships take work. Uh, some of y'all who are in relationships, y'all be like, that's true. <laughs> that is real true. Uh, but tonight, I'm going to kind of do an abnormal two points. Uh, but first, I want to plug, next week we're talking about forgiveness. Uh, it's something the Lord's been walking with me through the last month and a half. On when someone has hurt you, when you're walking with bitterness, maybe some pain, maybe something from years ago, or maybe something that's happened more recently in the last couple years. Um, how do we walk through that? How do we walk out of that season? How do we forgive someone when maybe we don't feel like forgiving them, but we know we just, it's too heavy to carry around what we're carrying. And so we're going to be talking about that next week, digging into the word, excited about that. But I want to first talk about Jesus and what he's done for my life. Um, first, I want to begin with Jesus came and we can find this in the book of Romans where, uh, God knew that we had had an eternal separation from him. And so he's sitting up there, uh, him and the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And they're like, what are we going to do? These guys, I need them with me forever, like forever, ever. And so we got to come up with a plan. They said, Jesus, you're the guy. We're going to send you there, send you down to earth. Can you live a perfect life? Can you set the tone? Can you show them how to live and walk with me? Can you show them how to lead their families and, and show honor to people that are around them? And uh, just in everything that they do, just honor and glorify my name. Can you do it? And Jesus was like, I'll do it. So he came and paid the penalty for our sins, you and I, went to the cross. And really from that moment forward, he bridged the gap. And now we are able to have an eternal relationship with Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit lives in us. And when I was in high school, I didn't necessarily have a relationship with the Lord. Uh, my relationship with Christ began in college. I served at a church. I went there, but I didn't have a relationship with God. And I was wrapped up in addiction to pornography. I was wrapped up in the pleasing of people all around me. I was looking to everywhere that I could find but God for personal fulfillment and just ultimate joy throughout the day, which ended up being just happiness. And I would have ups and downs and ups and downs, and I'm sure many of you have experienced those as well. But when I came to college and found community here at New Life Church, it was different. There was something different about this community here. And it wasn't necessarily the people were better, because <laughs> that's not true. It was just that the people were hungry for God. And I sense that so much in this group of people here, in our church, in so many churches in the city. And I just want you to know, keep your hunger for the Lord. Because I never would have dreamt that 12 years, 12 years ago, me, when I graduated college, it wasn't quite 12 years ago. I wouldn't have dreamt that I would have a strong godly marriage, raising a son who 
I think worships now. I'm not really sure what he does. He like kicks and waves his arms. So I'm just calling it worship. Uh, but we have a home and I'm a part of a life-giving church and a community and a life group and people who are pouring into me and challenging me. And I would never have thought that would have been me 10 years ago. And I want you to know that your daily input now sets up what your life is like 10 years from now. And looking at my son over here and my wife, it's just, it's amazing what God does with people who are hungry for him and just want more of what he's doing and what he wants to do in you and through your life here on earth. And that's where we're going tonight. We're going to look at Matthew 9. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles or your, your phone notes, I'm not, or your phone app, sorry. Uh, I'm not going to talk very long, but I'm just going to give you what I feel like the, me and the Lord are wrestling with right now. Mainly I'm wrestling and the Lord's just trying to get me to understand it. Uh, how many of y'all been there before? <laughs> uh, I feel like it's a wrestling match, but it's really just a, a, uh, a prideful surrender that I end up having to arrive at. Uh, where I'm like, Lord, yes, I'll do it. Matthew 16, 25, before I get into this, says, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And in my Western culture mind and in what we know as church now, this is hard to com- comprehend because really giving up my life means I'm giving up a lot. And so wherever you find yourself, I'm not asking you to totally surrender your life and be a full-time missionary overseas or like give all of your finances to someone sitting next to you, That's, which may not be much in this season of life. <laughs> but... <laughs> Whatever that looks like, I'm just asking you to be faithful and obedient in a step. And so as we walk through tonight, I want you to ask yourself, Lord, what is my step? What is my move that I'm wanting to make, that, that you're wanting me to make in this season of my life? Let's, let's pray before we go on. God, you are good. We are thankful for you. Thank you for the way that your word teaches us and it coaches us and it calls out the areas in our life that don't look like you and it it guides our steps. Lord, thank you for the the word and how it brings wisdom and discernment into our lives. But I thank you that you ultimately want the best for us. You want the strongest relationships. You want the best marriages and the best relationships. You want the best job and what's going to bring us the most fulfillment. And you have purpose and calling and identity that you have for us. And Lord, as we seek you tonight, as we as we walk with you the rest of our days, Lord, let us be obedient and faithful to what you're asking us to do. And Lord, as we jump into your word tonight, Lord, just show us, teach us what you want and what you have for us. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. You say amen or amen? amen. Um, you would, Corinne. <laughs> Almonds? No, you don't say that. That's not true. Uh, hey, so we're going to jump into Matthew 9. I'm going to read this verse, and then we're just going to break it down, okay? Uh, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. This is in the ESV. I don't know what y'all are reading, but it's up on the screens if you have a different translation you want to follow along. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
Okay, so normally you hear this passage of scripture when it's talked about like, hey, we need you to serve or like, we, we don't have enough people in the kids wing. Like, can you, can you come be a part of what we're doing? Like, no, that's not what I'm getting at tonight. I do feel as though the Lord is wanting us to understand his heart of our daily walk with him and how we engage and interact and pursue the people that are around us. And in chapter 10, it literally goes on to say, I want to, he's speaking to his disciples in this specific story. He says, I don't want you going to the Gentiles or any of the Samaritan towns, which would be like the other cities or the other towns or other countries. He says, I want you to find the lost people within Israel. He's saying, hey, I want you to focus on the people of Conway. I want you to focus on the people of Conway in your demographic, in your schools, in your, in your towns, in your areas. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples right now. So as we walk through this, I want you thinking of the people in your neighborhood, in your classrooms, in your subdivision, in your apartment complex, whatever it may be. How, I want us thinking that way. So um, how many of you have ever been to a restaurant and you clearly felt that they were understaffed? Like probably more now than ever before, honestly. Uh, We ordered um, Panda Express a couple weeks ago for a meeting here at the church and we showed up on time to pick up our order and they forgot our order. They like, they wrote it down on a sticky note and put it on the window, I guess. And they were like, oh shoot, we forgot it. (laughs) And so they were like, it'll be like 20 minutes. Okay, so an hour goes by and then we get our food. And then I'm like, man, it's clear that they forgot it, obviously, because they told us that. But then they were just so short-staffed. There were people running around everywhere. It, it was just very clear what was happening in that moment. How many of you have ever driven through town and you thought to yourself, man, I really wish, this is me. I don't, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I wish there was a smoothie bowl place because I want something healthy, but there's not one. I should start one. How many of you have ever thought to yourself, I should start blank because they don't have enough of those in Conway? okay. Yeah, so it's personal experiences like that that cause us to think, man, there's a shortage we're without. We need to do something about it. Nobody's ever said that about banks or car washes in Conway. I'll tell you that right now. We have plenty of banks and car washes. I don't know how many more banks we can start. Uh, I don't know where all the money is in all the other banks, but we don't need more of them. But when it comes to our personal interactions and our personal experiences, that's what causes us to feel and think, Man, we need blank. And so we arrive at this story with Jesus and all of his disciples, and he's going through a teaching, a slew of teachings right here. He's teaching them on just really, hey, we need more people. And so a lot of times we'll just read the verse. We will understand that the need is great. And then Jesus says, hey, I want you to be praying for more workers. And so Anytime I've ever read this verse, this is, the, this is the context and this is the perspective that I have. Jesus says, we need help. Start praying for people to show up and then people will show up. And so as people of faith and people of God, we're like, great. We got to get the prayer team together. We got to get them in the same room. We got to start praying for more volunteers, wherever it may be. Whether it's outreach at the campus, whether, whatever it is, put, fill in the blank. But as I began to read, I felt like the Lord showed me and gave me a revelation, which just means a deeper understanding of this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to walk you through what that looks like. And so we're going to take a look back. And it all begins with an understanding that Jesus literally came to earth to build the bridge between us and our broken relationship with the Lord because of our sin. And so all of Jesus, all of Jesus' life he even says it to his disciples. He says, my food is not to do 
My food is to do the will of the Father, the one who sent me. So his whole meaning and reason for being here is to do what God had put him here to do. And so we're about to figure out what that looked like. At the beginning of chapter 9, I'm just going to read the headings of these chapters, and you can just kind of follow along with me. It says at the end of chapter 8, it says, Jesus calmed the storm. You remember the story of like Jesus in the boat with his disciples, and they're like, ah, help, Lord. And he's like, oh, why are you crying? Like, I'm here. And then he calms the storm, and it's like, oh, it's all gone now. That happened. And then Jesus healed two men with demons inside of them. That's got to be a full day's work. I don't know how long that took, but that, you know, maybe it was quick. I don't know. And then in chapter 9, it says Jesus healed a paralytic, a man who could not move. His body was paralyzed. Jesus calls his disciple, Matthew. He, he says, hey, will you follow me? And so Matthew does that. And then he answers some questions about fasting. He, there's a girl that was literally raised from death to life. And there was also a woman, you may have heard this story, where he healed her and she had had 12 years of an issue of blood and such. She was bleeding for 12 years straight and Jesus healed her on the spot. And then Jesus healed two blind men and then it says Jesus heals a man who is unable to speak. Now there's a lot to that, but this is basically, I don't know, maybe a week, a couple days, a month. I don't know, I don't know the time period. But after all of these happened, can you imagine Jesus walking through town to town to town and he's like, touch your face, your eyes are healed. Oh, you're, you can't speak, your mouth is healed. Hey, little girl, rise from the dead. It's everywhere he goes, these things are happening and people are like, what is this? Who is this man? So they're following him and they're showing up to the next town and he's got a crowd around him at this point. And so he gets to this point, he feels the weight of the ministry that has been happening. He sees all of the people and it says that in Chapter 9 in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, that tells us there was an extremely large crowd around Jesus at that time. Why? Because of all the work that he had been doing. What I want to show us tonight is that Jesus didn't arrive at, hey, when we see the work is a lot, we need to begin praying. And I'm not saying prayer is not powerful because prayer shifts the way we think. It gives us wisdom and discernment. Prayer is our direct connection with the Lord. He can speak to us. He can use to us to encourage other people through what he's told us. Prayer is very, very important. But for the longest time, I thought that was our first step in reaching people and gaining more followers and making a bigger impact in our city right now. But if you look at what Jesus did, I'm just going to kind of lay this out for you over the next two or three minutes. Jesus had vision. So Jesus, as he walked along, as he went about his everyday life, he would literally wake up every single day thinking about, who am I going to make an impact on today? Who am I going to meet with? Sometimes he went to specific destinations like the woman at the well, knowing what would happen and who he would run into, and that interaction would be on purpose. God had, Jesus had vision while he was here. He woke up every day knowing today on my agenda is I'm going to make an impact and a difference in someone's life, whatever that may be. And I say whatever that may be because I, do, I don't know. Jesus probably did. So I'm going to ask you, what is your vision each day when you wake up? Your spiritual vision, your, your vision towards people that are not you. What is your vision every day? And that vision led him to serving others. 
So he woke up. He may not have known who he was going to run into, but this girl's dad runs up to him saying, Jesus, if you're the son of God, will you heal my daughter? And he runs to the house, lays hands on the girl, and she comes to life just like that. He began to serve anybody that was in need. Why? Because he had vision that every day he would wake up and that would be his focus. So his vision led to action, which was serving people, which led to when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion. So for us, if we look at this verse, we think Jesus saw the people, he was moved with compassion, which sounds great, but he had put in a lot of work. He had put in a lot of effort and a lot of time in investing and pouring into everyone around them and when he saw that the, the people had come from so far, there were so many people, he said, gosh, everyone is hurting. Everyone is in trouble. They're needing a touch from me. I can't do it all. He had compassion for where they were. And then he had a burden. Jesus had a burden, and then it led him to pray. I think for us, I'm, I'm going to share a picture that I got during prayer this last week, we pray every week on Wednesday as a staff. And I, I got a picture of, how many of you have seen a vineyard before? How, like in a legit vineyard, maybe not the one in Arkansas, but this is one in Italy. We don't have near, that's Pinnacle, if you look at that in the background. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Some of you will be like, this dude's. This is a vineyard. And so I had a picture of us standing on this hilltop, looking down at the vineyard, and a vineyard is full of grapes. It is the season to pick them. It is time to harvest. And Jesus literally says in this verse, hey, the harvest is ready, it is plentiful, but we don't have enough workers. I see Conway and maybe the body of Christ, and I'm, I'm putting myself in this group of people because I have not been great at this. It's easy for me to sit in an office and write a message and study the word, and look at podcasts, and hear about them, and journal, and read books that develop as a leader. It's easy to do a lot of the things that make you appear and sound smarter and better at what you do, but yet we're missing the point because we're not with people. We don't have vision of going out and meeting them right where they are, which is exactly what Jesus did. We didn't serve them in their time of need. We didn't walk through the fire with them. in order. And that's what births compassion, and that's what gives us a burden, and that's what leads us to pray for people we just hope, Lord, lead me to the, to the right part of this vineyard where I can, I can harvest the right number of people instead of getting my hands dirty. But what I, what I got a picture of is all of us at the top of this vineyard, we're looking out and it's beautiful. Obviously, if you were in this place, you would probably be like, this is probably one of the prettiest places I've ever been in my whole life. And the harvest is ready and we're like, man, we could, we're ready to pick. We got everything ready, but none of us are moving. It's like we know what to do. We've been informed. Maybe our whole life, for some of you, you've raised up in church and you know like God wants us to, to love people. They, he wants us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he wants us to love others as ourselves. But what's hard is we, I feel like we as a church are good at loving the Lord and spending time with him. But what we are not good at, and I'm preaching it myself, is being in the middle of what other people are, go, are going through. Meeting them where they are. Going out to the cities, reaching out for those who are lost and not close to God. Getting in the middle of what's, what's going on and harvesting those souls that are far from the Lord. 
And he said, I just, in order for my church to grow and to see the kingdom of God like I see it, my church is going to have to get mobile. We're going to have to start walking. We're going to have to start going down the hill. We're going to start harvesting the things that are ready. And it's going to, it's going to be uncomfortable. A life for the Lord is going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be, it's going to be an interruption in our life. And it's going to take some sacrifice. But I believe that we as a people, as young people, as college students, in this time right now in your life, you're available. You're learning what your faith truly looks like because you're not on your parents' faith. You're not living like they used to live. You're developing who you are as a believer and a, and a Christ follower. Who will you be? What is your step? What is your, what is your move in the coming weeks and maybe even in the next few days. Because what I know is in order for us to build the kingdom of God, like if you, if you can imagine when Jesus spoke these words, it was him and his 12 and a few others. Maybe some church plants, maybe like Pastor Hunter over in Ephesus. Like <laughs> I don't know who's over there, but he's got a couple guys that he's writing letters with. Maybe not even church plants at that point. I don't know. But total believers, maybe a couple thousand. And you look at the millions that call themselves believers today. Why did that happen? Because the church was good at reaching and going for those who were lost. And I'm not saying we're bad. I think we've lost vision for what it looks like on a daily basis to have a focus on what Jesus had focused for every day while he was here. And so do I think we should be praying for the harvest and the workers to come and that God would provide workers? Yes, I do. But I think the way that the Lord provides is through us being a people full of vision, willing to act and serving their needs. Then we would have compassion and a burden for them. Because look what happens right after Jesus says, hey, the workers are few. He's modeled how to go after the people who are far from him. He said, the workers are few. Will you please pray? And this is what he says in at the beginning of chapter 10. He says in, in verse 5, Then Jesus, uh, these twelve Jesus sent out. He said, Guys, will you please pray? And in the first few verses of chapter 10, he lists out who was there. And then he said, Hey guys, I need you to go. Thank you for praying. Thank you for praying with me that the Lord would send the people that we need to harvest the souls that are around this area. But we got to go. We got some work to do. So what is your move? And then what's your vision this week? I'll give you a practical step. For me, each Sunday morning, I try to interact with five different students. They may be young adult, they may be college. And then I, so that's five in, intentional interactions that I have with maybe people I know, maybe I don't. But they're not a core part of the church. Maybe I don't see them very often. But I try to get coffee or lunch with one person every single week from the weekend that I do not know. And for some of you, that may look like, okay, if I'm going to have a heart and a vision for people in, in my class, or maybe that I'm around, or maybe you know somebody that lives next to you in your apartment, that you're like, man, they've got a dog and I've got a dog. I don't even know them. And you're like, could we do like a dog day? That's a perfect example of what it could look like. I'm gonna, this week, I'm going to ask them if we can just go to the, there's not a dog, good dog park anyway, but whatever. Someone in your, oh, there is a great dog park. Hit them up, they'll tell you. Uh, maybe you have a goal of 
going to coffee with one person in your class. And you can just ask them their story. What is their life like? Understand what they've, what they've grown up in. Is, there, is their family broken? Is it, have they gone to church their whole life? Do they go to a church now? Maybe you invite them just to come to church. You don't go any deeper than that. And you see how that just snowballs. And I'll tell you, there's nothing more life-giving and fulfilling than when you're on mission for Jesus Christ. Because when you start to see that the Lord will use you, He empowers you in the moment, and God's using you in a mighty way to reach the people that you're closest with, that's when we start to begin to feel, God, this is what it's like to live on mission and on purpose for you every day of my life. And that's when Jesus says, hey, when you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But when you lose your life for me, giving up your preferences, the things you would prefer to do, the things you would rather do, and you start serving me and giving me some of your time, your attention, your focus, and allow me to use you in the ways that I want to use you, we then be, we, we receive life. And that's what happens when we start to serve the Lord. I just want to pray over us really quick. And then I want us to, in, maybe in the groups that you came with, I see some of you kind of sitting in some groups. Uh, if you're a group of one or two, maybe team up with someone next to you. But I want us to answer one of those two questions. Uh, what is your vision this week? And then what's your move? Like, what is it that the Lord's speaking to you tonight? And then what is something that you're, you have a goal of doing this week as it pertains to what we've talked about tonight? God, we thank you.